Good evening, America. How is everyone doing tonight? I hope everyone is well. And you guys are ready for a brand new edition of The Sea Report coming to you again on this Friday evening, February 11th, 2022. I am your host, Mr. C, and I thank you all for um, finding your way here and being part of the audience tonight as we get started, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yes, uh, so we are coming to you guys live, uh, you know, as we do per the huge during the week, and we're very glad to have any audience out there joining us, and uh, uh, a little late this evening, yes, a little late, with uh, many more appointments to come before the end of the night, or I should say at least the end of my night, uh, but nevertheless, guys, we're glad to be here to bring you another episode that will be jam-packed with a whole bunch of information, of course. Doing it the way that we do it here at the Sea Report. Now, as we begin to get started on our journey for today, uh, let me see here. I just wanted to go ahead and uh, housekeeping at the beginning of the show, right? Make sure you check out our podcast over at anchor.fm slash the Sea Report, where you can take our podcast to go. Ladies and gentlemen, and you don't have to uh, sacrifice your vision or your eyeballs. Or, uh, you know, you're driving, if you happen to be watching us while you're driving. Don't be watching the podcast while you're driving, okay? <laughs> I mean, the live stream. Listen to the podcast. Now, nah, that's just a little joke there. Uh, but yeah, for sure, you can check us over there. We are, uh, I it's like every day I say we are almost caught up now. I spent a lot of the day today trying to get that troublesome episode uploaded. There's actually been two recent troublesome episodes uploaded. Uh, one of them, I just required a lot of edits because after all, uh, we can only be unprofessional when we're live, ladies and gentlemen. We can't be unprofessional on the podcast. <laughs> that was a fun one. I think that was like Tuesday's episode where it was, we were just, we were just having nuclear fallout over on the sea report. So anyways, got that one under the belt. Uh, I think we are just, uh, I think we're behind one episode, not including this one for tonight. So uh, we'll have that completely updated. I think all of you uh, who are hanging out on the podcast and uh, who are checking that out, uh, definitely uh, when you listen to the podcast, you help uh, the Sea Report, you help myself, uh, and uh, you help uh, pay some of the bills here around the studio, as it were. I mean, it's a... Uh, it's a fake studio, guys, but, you know, it's still a studio. <laughs> Anyways, so, uh, and then, then that helps us, uh, that helps me uh, with the peace of mind, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it keeps my belly full. No, actually. Anyways, that's not the point. We're not even going to go there. Uh, point of the matter is, if you would like to support us via the podcast, you can uh, subscribe for free and just listen to and download every episode. You know, that helps us out. Or you can also uh, support at a, uh, a monthly contribution, uh, I believe, on the website uh, for anchor.fm slash the C report. They have that set up like at 99 cents, 499, 9.99. Whatever you think my time is worth to you guys. And, uh, well, I broke it down one time and I figured, well, if you do it for 99 cents a month, you are getting, oh, you're getting like what? At least 20 episodes of the C report. Now that's not too bad, ladies and gentlemen. That is not too bad at all. If you do it for, uh, $4.99 a month, well, you're still getting your 20 episodes. But um, if you also consider the Mr. C in the Dark episodes, you'll get about 20 episodes of the C Report. 
you'll get about, uh, I'd say, between four and eight episodes of Mr. C in the Dark. And then once we get Lone Star News up and running again, which is still coming before the end of the week, uh, then I would say you'll get about at least four episodes of Lone Star News. So that could be upwards of uh, 20 plus episodes of Mr. C coming to you with news and information that's always at least somewhat entertaining and uh, hopefully has some type of value added to your life and to your uh, uh, existence, ladies and gentlemen. So definitely help us out there uh, if you'd like to do that. You can also send donations our way via Cash App or PayPal. Uh, I will have little ticker tape at the bottom here running with our addresses for that. That is dollar sign M-A-C-X. 5x5 or macx 9933 uh respectively there for that matter and of course if you're on rumble they've got this thing called rumble rants i don't know anything about it but i'm gonna find out about it as soon as i can and uh you can throw bits at us or subscribe to us at twitch uh, if we get enough revenue coming in from twitch I will absolutely kill the ads over there because I know the ads kill you guys sometimes. But uh, we got to do what we got to do, ladies and gentlemen, over here at the Sea Report uh, to try and uh, try and uh, compensate, I guess you can say, for uh, um, other lacks of income, as it were. And, uh, you know, that way I can keep on doing what I enjoy and hopefully uh, doing what you enjoy me enjoying doing. While we enjoy this together, this mutual experience, <laughs> I know, uh, it's, too, uh, it's too late in the evening to try and get tongue-tied, isn't it? All right, uh, so there's pretty much that, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, I think that would pretty much wrap up our housekeeping for tonight. Uh, we will also be having an episode of Mr. C in the Dark tonight uh, that will probably be on uh, an hour or two after we close up shop here on the C Report, so we won't be too long on what we got to say. Uh, we're still going to deliver you a nice full um, episode today, though, ladies and gentlemen, so don't you worry about that. We're not going to cut out on that just because we got obligations later on. Uh, tonight's episode of Mr. C in the Dark, we will continue to explore, to tunnel into, to dig into, to fall down that rabbit hole that is the, um, uh, I wouldn't say he's a mystery, uh, but I would definitely say that uh, there's some complexity here in the man that they call Les Wexner. Now, all of you all out there, or at least I'd say most of the people in my audience, know who Les Wexner is, or I've heard of that name. Now, we're talking about the former retail mogul of L Brands, who is associated and or the brainchild of such uh, companies as Victoria's Secret, as uh, Express, and also, um, what was that? that? I always want to say Bed Bath & Beyonce, but it's uh, Bed Bath & Body Works, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, and you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, talk, especially back in the uh, mid-2000s, about uh, his involvement and his, uh, it's a little bit more than involvement, his involvement and possibly his creation of uh, one one uh, pederast monster known as Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, 
So uh, definitely, guys, you'll want to hang out uh, for that tonight. If you are interested in learning about Leslie Wexner, we're learning together, quite honestly, as we do our dig into this mogul and this monster. Now, let me tell you what, guys, the last episode that we had about Leslie Wexner, that is episode number 54 of Mr. C in the Dark, was not an easy episode to get through. And not in part because of all the information that was coming out, because we started digging into his connections, family connections to the American mob, right? But uh, we took a slight detour on the same trail that would lead us in the same uh, respect and to the same goal into, uh, into mob life in America and its relationship to the United States government. And uh, something that we discovered as we went down that trail, ladies, and gentlemen, is that uh, the act of having a honeypot type of uh, scandal uh, or, or trap, that is to say, uh, and honeypot, for those of you who are not familiar with the term, is when um, a, you say you have political adversaries and one of them uh, sets the other one up with, uh, you know, some type of uh, uh, carnal, sexual, intimate type of rendezvous and use that as blackmail. Well, as it turns out, as we were learning in that episode on uh, the other night in the dark, uh, this type of activity has been uh, performed and utilized against uh, political rivals and government rivals, more which, but people who just want control for a very long time. And most disheartening, I think, whenever we were exploring that was the fact that uh, um, um, child abuse, uh, human trafficking, as well as uh, child trafficking uh, was included in that bag of for lack of a better word, tricks, you know, uh, and well, it was really kind of an exploration about how these types of activities were in existence before Jeffrey Epstein. And yet here we have Leslie Wexner connected by family ties to these individuals connected to government. And then of course, well, we don't need to say much about Jeffrey Epstein in that regard, but that was just cracking the shell of the nut. So we're going to continue down that path tonight as we talk about uh, Leslie Wexner and the mob. Uh, it's going to get pretty heavy, guys. I'm telling you, we had a lot of mentions last uh, last episode about uh, even President Trump's involvement in these manners, which is something that a lot of people don't want to hear or it's something that people can kind of play a mental volleyball with. But hey, guys, we're not here to pick sides. We're just here to examine the information and ask the question. And uh, I'm still a Trump supporter, guys. Don't get me wrong, because after all, our show is usually outlined by the words of the man himself. That is the man who is the 45th president of these United States. He's, he's still doing his little one-two dance up on my screen, ladies and gentlemen. But again, we are not afraid to, nor are we shy about asking those questions. And we've been asking a lot of questions. You got, you know, I mean, we, I was probably, I probably had my audience split in half over the Vernon Jones report that I ran a few days ago, or was that yesterday? Uh, and that, that one, man, you know, Pete, you feel the way people feel, but hey, 
We're just presenting the information and uh, we are just asking the question. We're leaving it up to our viewers to go ahead and decide for themselves. And I can say again tonight, we'll be doing it again tonight, ladies and gentlemen, because it seems like, uh, again, one of the more important issues within the Trump sphere, not within the sphere of saving America, but within the, the, within the, uh, the uh, cult of personality, Trump MAGA follower you know, uh, citizenry. And I'm not saying that, you know, we're beholden to a, a cult of personality. I think, I think amongst any, any type of, uh, political people or any type of aware mentality or aware consciousness of people, uh, we are, we are the least susceptible to cult of personality. And I think we can all agree to that, but within the sphere of Trump supporters, you know, there's this debate with one, a debate that I think is a lot more important than what color tie he wears. Although I wish I had worn this tie yesterday because then I would have matched President Trump and Cash Patel. But anyhow, that's besides the point, um, you know, or whether or not it's a clone or an android or a face mask on the stage of Trump is the question of the people who he is endorsing, okay? Now, the question of the people whom Trump is endorsing, I think, is far more important of an issue because it, well, for one, the reason why I think many people don't, many people will make a comment on this, but they won't necessarily uh, do a whole lot more than that is because it takes a little bit of digging. It takes a little bit of perusing through voting records or through, uh, you know, just reading articles or seeing what you can find about the people that this man's endorsing. It's like the time that we had on our show a candidate who was running for city council here in my hometown. And I had to ask the tough question, you're running as a conservative, but you got all of this uh, Ron Nuremberg, progressive communist Marxist mayor support all over your websites. What's up with that? You know, and uh, the man was brave enough to answer and then he vanished forever. But the point of the matter here is, guys, we have to ask the question. And so uh, tonight, it's going to be a pretty interesting episode. We, it's basically going to be, uh, it's going to be a star-studded endorsement cast of, of, uh, of stories tonight. Now, we won't have stories on every candidate. Now, some of these candidates um, who President Trump has endorsed are running in the primaries this upcoming year, or this year, I should say, uh, and some of them already sitting members of the House. Some of them already have an elected office and so are running as an incumbent who have received an endorsement from President Trump. Uh, we have a few who are non... who are... Uh, I want to say non-incumbent, but that means they're just running. Okay. But they, they do not currently hold an elective office uh, or they might be freshmen coming in or it might be their first time. So we won't be digging into all of the candidates tonight. We, I mean, we have, we have like, I think five or six that we'll be uh, recognizing tonight via the statements of President Trump. Uh, there, there is one in particular that we are going to dig into a little bit and uh, whether or not anyone agrees with it, we're just going to present the facts. Okay. Don't got no time for hurt feelings around here, ladies and gentlemen. And that's not all that we'll do. We have a cup. We have another story with President Trump that I think is pretty much top of the mind right now. Uh, and last but not least, uh, we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna we're gonna run another interview tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It's gonna be a fun one, ladies and gentlemen. I cannot wait to share it with you all in case you all haven't seen it. I'm pretty sure that uh, the interview we're gonna run tonight has been seen in part, you know, you know, you know, you get, you get the, you get the five minute clip, 
you get the two-minute clip, you get the sound bite of it. Well, we got the whole enchilada, guys. So uh, we are going to run um, Carrie Lake's Running Over and Running Down of 60 Minutes Australia. It is well worth the watch, guys. It's, a, it's almost 30 minutes long. It's frustrating, it's full of drama, it's, it's vindicating, it's liberating, it's just everything that you want to feel on a Friday night without the booze. Okay, ladies and gentlemen? So that's what we kind of got going on for you guys tonight, and we're going to hop right into that. Uh, first of all, good evening. Thank you for joining us over there at Twitch. How you doing tonight, Mr. Plore Laura? Good to see you this evening, and uh, thanks for hanging out over there, holding on the light. Relanon, I see you with the 117 gold pills, sir. Thank you you so much for your support over there at the foxhole as per the huge and uh of course we are also live on rumble ladies and gentlemen and on clout hub uh so if you're hanging out over there live with us on clout hub or rumble good evening thank you so much for being part of the audience tonight and i hope you enjoy the live show make sure you guys check out the replays if anything strikes your fancy and uh with that said ladies and gentlemen i think we're going to jump into it so let's get going, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let's see where we're going to start today. Where are we going to start today? Oh, look, we're going to start at the desk of President Trump. That is what we do per usual over here, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we got, like I said, several statements coming at you all tonight from one President Donald John Trump. Did I say that right? Yeah, Donald J. Trump. Okay. All right, first statement. This is uh, coming to us from uh, the desk of Donald Trump. I mean, that's where it's coming from, obviously. What is this statement about? Okay, this is coming at us in regards to uh, the ordeal that's happening between he and the National Archives and Records Administration. Now, is there really an ordeal going on between President Trump and the National Archives and Record Administration? Or, or, or is this just all fake news? I don't know. Let's see what President Trump has to say. President Trump sa says, following collaborative and respectful discussions, the National Archives and Records Administration open, openly and willingly arranged with President Trump for the transport of boxes that contained letters, records, newspapers, magazines, and various articles. Some of this information will someday be displayed in the Donald J. Trump Presidential Library for the public to view my administration's incredible accomplishments for the American people. I'm going to stop right there because if any of you all have been following the story that's been revolving, I should say, yeah, uh, has been revolving around this issue in the mainstream press, the lamestream press, the propaganda press, okay? If any of you guys have been following this issue, this already sounds like day and night from what we have been uh, told is going on in regards to now. Now, OK, so apparently the National Archives and Records Administration, uh, which is which is which is an agency in our government that admittedly is totally woke stream and uh, progressive. OK, Apparently, they openly and willingly arranged 
for President Trump to transport boxes to their facility that may someday be placed in the Donald J. Trump Presidential Library. Okay, so this sounds nothing like what I've been reading out of the lamestream propaganda press. Okay, do you guys follow? Okay, so this sounds nothing like it. Let's see what else President Trump has to say. He says, the media's characterization of my relationship with NARA is fake news. It was exactly the opposite. It was a great honor to work with NARA to help formally preserve the Trump legacy. The papers were given easily and without conflict and on a very friendly basis, which is different from the accounts being drawn up by the fake news media. In fact, it was viewed as routine and no big deal. In actuality, I have been told I was under no obligation to give this material based on various legal rulings that have been made over the years. Crooked Hillary Clinton, as an example, deleted and acid-washed 32,000 emails and never gave that to the government. Then they took large amounts of furniture out of the White House, and Bill kept numerous audio recordings that the archives wanted but were unsuccessful at getting after going to court. We won't even mention what is going on with the White House in the current or various past administrations. Also, another fake story that I flushed papers and documents down a White House toilet is categorically untrue and simply made up by a reporter in order to get publicity for a mostly fictitious book. The Democrats are just using this and the unselect committee of political hacks as camouflage for how horribly our country is doing under the Biden administration. In the United States, there has unfortunately become two legal standards, one for Republicans and one for Democrats. It should not be this way. Very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Here we see in live living action yet another example of a wrap-up smear campaign. Okay, uh, All they want to do is be able to run with a story that makes absolutely no sense and is a total outright lie in an effort to demonize their target. Oh, we see what they're doing here in this instance is actually, uh, it's actually a, li a little bit more or slightly more mal malignant. There's, there is definitely, definitely malicious intent behind this because what you see that they're doing is you have a, you have a standard routine and unnecessary visit by the NARA to Mar-a-Lago to retrieve these, uh, this data, this, uh, these records, etc. And the mainstream press, I, I need to stop saying that, the lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, propaganda, mockingbird media press is running stories that the NARA raided Mar-a-Lago. Now, when I read that headline, the first thing I thought was, like, uh, who, who does the NARA have a security force also, just like our post office and our IRS do as well? Like, can they raid a place? Like, uh, this makes absolutely no sense. But okay, I guess we'll we'll leave that there for now, Mr. C, and uh, we'll see what 
happens. Uh, but I think the real intent of this supposed raid, the story that they're really trying to push here is that uh, President Trump was withholding certain specific documents, documents that could in fact lead to uh, his arrest under the unselect committee. They needed a, they needed another story that would paint him in the light as being someone who is hiding documents or someone who is guilty and someone who is so guilty and had such important documents that it merited a raid, ladies and gentlemen. That's what this story is for. This story is just meant to uh, paintball him with guilty colors. Uh, and you know one only looks even more guilty when there's a raid on you, right? I mean, is there any way that he can sue them for liable for this? Um, I mean, or defamation or or slander or for, you know, uh, destroying character? Or, you know, he's he needs to be able to sue them for this, I think, because... Saying there was a raid, which allows everyone to... that There's a certain stigma that goes on with that kind of activity. Saying that there was a raid on someone's house definitely puts a stigma or paints a point of view upon someone. But that's what the lamestream, shamestream fake news media needs. They just need people to have a point of view or a perspective so that when they roll forward with other type of garbage slander and uh, criminal acts of lies and deceit that they put on him, it's easier for the people to digest it because after all, he was raided and he was hiding documents and he flushed those documents down the toilet in the White House, you know? So uh, let's see here. What was this all about? Uh, this story seems to have originated somewhere around the Washington compost. So, uh, again, we'll have several dishonorable mentions right off the bat. The, uh, the, uh, Washington, uh, compost, um, Newsweek, as well as a new dishonorable mention called the new civil rights movement. Go figure, ladies and gentlemen. But the Washington Compost said uh, National Archives had to retrieve Trump White House records from Mar-a-Lago. The recovery of 15 boxes from Trump's Florida resort, including letters from Barack Obama and Kim Jong-un, underscores the previous administration's cavalier handling of presidential records. The National Archives and Records Administration last month retrieved 15 boxes of documents and other items from former President uh, Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence, their words, not mine, because the material should have been turned over to the agency when he left the White House, archives officials said Monday. Uh, the recovery of the boxes from Trump's Florida resort raises new concerns about his adherence to the Presidential Records Act, which requires the preservation of memos, letters, notes, emails, faxes, and other written communications related to a president's official duties. Trump advisors deny any nefarious intent and said the boxes contain mementos, gifts, letters from world leaders and other correspondence. The items included correspondence with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, which Trump once described as love letters, as well as a letter left for his successor uh, by President Barack Obama, <laughs> Barry Sotero. Um, according to two people familiar with the contents. Discussion between the archives and the former president's lawyers that began last year resulted in the transfer of the records in January. According to one person familiar with the conversation, 
Another person familiar with the material said, Trump advisors discussed what had to be returned in December. People familiar with the transfer, like others, spoke on the condition of anonymity to reveal internal details. Okay, so not so aggressive, but still foolhardy, wouldn't you say? Now, as President Trump said, uh, you know, they had very peaceable types of discussions in regards to this uh, transfer of content between President Trump and Mar-a-Lago. Doesn't sound like it was a raid. Doesn't sound like uh, he'd done anything wrong here indeed. I think he had a lot of valid points when he was uh, talking about, well, you know, exactly uh, how it had been done in the past, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, how uh, the Clintons held on to a lot of stuff. In fact, they took a lot of stuff, too. Um, Let's see here. We also have, it seems, uh, well, you know, according to the Gateway Pundit, Gateway Pundit says that this is totally type of a normal thing that's been going on. It said that every recent presidential administration has had some Presidential Records Act violations, but the media has never sensationalized it like they have with Trump. Um, It also said here that Trump's advisors say that there was no malicious intent, but the left-wing media is raising the possibility of Trump being charged for violating the Presidential Records Act. Of course, President Trump is going to be charged with violating the uh, Presidential um, uh, Records Act. And no one else is going to uh, face that type of music, obviously, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's see what this article from that uh, scrap, the new civil rights uh, movement, had to say. White House docs were stored in Trump's personal Mar-a-Lago suite. Look, guys... That President Trump looks like a grandma and he's got a purple tie on. I don't think that's the real Trump. Okay, moving right along. All right, this t- <laughs> you guys are probably like, why do you do that, Mr. C? Okay, so it says, in his carefully crafted statement confirming the National Archives, NARA, was forced, um, confirming, oh wait, okay, see here, confirming, okay, according to them, this letter confirmed that the National Archives was forced to transport 15 cartons of White House documents and other items from Mar-a-Lago. Donald Trump claimed discussion had been collaborative and respectful, and the papers were given easily and without a conflict. A CNN report published Friday evening reveals that's false. Oh, because CNN reported it. It's got to be false, right? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to click on that one. Okay, it says the National Archives had noticed items uh, belonging to the federal government were missing last year in May. They went to work contacting various people to try to get control of the documents and other items, which we now know, or we know now, included classified and even top secret national security. Do- How do we know that? Who said that? Oh, it must have been CNN. It had to have been CNN. In a series of interviews with CNN, a half dozen people familiar with the matter described a tense situation that took nearly eight months to resolve, beginning with NARA's outreach in May and ending with its retrieval of the boxes from Mar-a-Lago last month. In the end, CNN reveals it may have been a threat that ended the impasse 
or the impasse. At one point, the archives notified a member of Trump's team that it planned to alert Congress and the Department of Justice of the matter if it wasn't quickly resolved according to a person familiar with the warning. According to a person familiar with the matter, the archives have since asked the Justice Department to investigate. It is unclear whether the Justice Department has started an investigation. Also startling, CNN reports a top official in the former president's orbit orbit warned his aides last fall. Do not touch those boxes that were being stored at the time in Trump's personal suite at his Florida Mar-a-Lago club. The senior official in Trump's inner circle did not want to risk exposing sensitive materials to aides who may have lacked the appropriate security clearances, apparently meaning classified documents were sitting at least somewhat accessible in Trump's rooms. Well, did anyone ever think that maybe President Trump doesn't want everyone reading his love letters to Kim Jong-un and vice versa? I mean, come on. A man's heart is a deep and personal and private matter, ladies and gentlemen. So, <laughs> oh goodness, where does it end? What is this? What do we got here? Oh, this is that CNN article. Archives threatened to go to Congress and Justice Department to get Trump to turn over records. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. You guys think this is going to stick? I don't think this is going to stick. I think we're going to have a big old case of Teflon Don, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to bounce right off of him. You see, they just need this crap. I don't know. To, to try and push some kind of uh, some kind of a uh, point of view, uh, I just saw this one paragraph, so I want to read it because I just uh, I see a Kim Jong Un, his name in there, and I figured, ah, oh, why not see what this says real quick? We're not going to read the article. I just, I'm wondering. It says here, in May 2021, the realization that important uh, items from Trump's t- time in office, including some of his correspondence with the North Korean dictator Kim Jong Un, and infamous Sharpie altered. A uh, map of Hurricane Dorian were not transferred to the archives at the end of his presidency. I don't know, guys. I'm willing to bet they just want to see what uh, Kim Jong Un and President Trump were writing about to each other. You got to know that they're envious. You got to know that they covet those letters. They want to know what did Trump tell him, how did he tell him, and what did Un say. In response, since after all, they were doing it, uh, they were doing it snail mail style, right? They were doing it snail mail style and uh, they weren't, you know, they weren't uh, doing it over electronic communications. That had to have really just annoyed the heck out of them, I would have to say. Oh, look, there's a, there's a lovely picture of Kim Jong-un and uh, Donald Trump. He always kind of looked like an owl to me, President Trump did. But anyways, moving right along. Okay, so this article comes from uh, Newsweek. Now, this is probably the worst. Now, this article from Newsweek actually highlights what they were talking about, uh, about this uh, new like piece of trash book that's coming out that's mostly fictitious. So for whatever this is, um, it says here, Let's see what this trash says. It says, as the controversy surrounding his handling of government documents continues to build up former President Trump, there's the other words, not mine, is reportedly terrified of an accusation that he would periodically attempt to flush papers down the toilet when he was in office. (laughs) 
That's amazing, ladies and gentlemen. That is simply amazing. Oh, hey, Sean Joe. Thank you for gifting the cookies. It's much appreciated, sir. All right. It says here, uh, the allegation is reportedly detailed in the upcoming book. I'm not going to tell you the title because I don't think the person who wrote it deserves any recognition. Uh, and let's see here. It says that uh, it's another example of Trump's alleged habit of destroying documents during his time in office, a blatant repeated violation of the Presidential Act, Records Act. Uh, passages of confidence. Ah, dang it. I almost read the name of the title. Uh, it doesn't hit the bookshelves till October. Was They were obtained from Axios. Uh, they say someone by the name of Haberman covered for Trump since 2011 and reportedly stated in the book that multiple Trump administration staffers discovered pieces of paper lodged in toilets and they believe that then-president had tried to flush them. You know, you got to ask yourself, what do you think was on that paper that um, President Trump flushed? Because while I believe that President Trump is probably a very professional man, I could just imagine that if, uh, I don't know, someone really ticked him off, and he knew that their job was to dig out paper and notes and memos from any nook and cranny, that he would intentionally shove him down the toilet. <laughs> He's like, I might not, I might not call you names. I might respect you in office, but I will make you dig this out of the toilet. So, <laughs> anyways, okay, we're not gonna, we're not gonna read the rest of this, this trash right here. That's just, uh, just, just a quick retrospect perspective on all of that matter, ladies and gentlemen. What was going on with the NARA? Now, it, it stands to reason that the NARA could be being a big old crybaby about this. I remember when we were actually doing a story on the NARA going woke. And the NARA um, uh, uh, listing uh, the founding documents as uh, they might have a trigger effect. You know, readers beware. Um, there was mention about, you know, some stuff going on with national records that Donald Trump had, President Trump had, uh, in regards to uh, their wanting them, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, I guess that story is finally coming home to roost. It'll be the words of the president versus the words of the uh, establishment media in regards to whether or not, you know, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see if how much further this hurts the media than it does to help them. I can't imagine anything really helping them at this point, even though they need as much help as they can get, ladies and gentlemen. All right, next up, we got uh, that slew of endorsements for candidates from President Trump. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to read the endorsement on most of these individuals. It's up to you, America, to do your digging. Only in instances where it's extremely obvi or obvious uh, that these people just don't belong. Well, uh, or maybe it's a bad endorsement. I mean, like I said, that is uh, that is one of those uh, that is one of those uh, uh, one of those uh, contentious talking points at the moment. Uh, so we'll go ahead and go through some of these. Uh, let me see real quick. It looks like we had some other people. Hey, Shepherding Shepherd, what's going on? The Speak and Easy. Good evening, my friends. How are y'all doing today? All right. Cool, cool. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the burst of energy there, Mr. Shepherding Shepherd. Good to see you in the audience, sir, as well. And uh, let's see here. Okay, so let's start with this first endorsement. 
This endorsement comes for a sitting man of Congress. Uh, this is Congressman Warren Davidson. Warren Davidson of Ohio, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Ohio, ladies and gentlemen. You know, you know, I love, I love, love, love talking about secretaries of state. Well, there's going to be a really fun one to talk about in Ohio coming up soon. So uh, anyways, I'll just leave that there. Congressman Warren Davidson is a real fighter for the great people of Ohio, a tremendous advocate of our America First agenda. Warren is a former army ranger who is fighting hard to save America. Warren is all about action, not just words, pushing Republicans to defend freedom, America first, economy and security, smaller government, sound money. He supports secure borders, our Second Amendment, our military and our vets, and law enforcement. He has my complete and total endorsement. Very cool there, ladies and gentlemen. Now, like I said, I don't know, uh, I don't know this, this dude from Jack, right? So I would say most definitely, you know, in regards to uh, Congressman Davidson, um, if you all know anything about this man, well, now's the time to start talking. Uh, I would say other, other, other than that, because of the fact that he is a sitting congressman, he should be pretty easy to vet based on his voting record and based on where he stood uh, in the past, uh, you know, however, however many years he's been in office. I'm willing to bet that uh, he's probably uh, fairly new to the game. That's at least my assessment. Again, don't quote me on that. All right. The next Congress, uh, the next person being endorsed by President Trump. Now, I feel pretty bad because yesterday, yesterday I said, oh boy, President Trump has been inducing, has been endorsing a slew of female candidates, right? A slew of female America first, uh, you know, patriots. Well, I had no idea Lorraine Culp was actually a male. So maybe it's Lorraine or Lauren. It's not. Maybe it's Lauren. Lauren, Lauren, like Lorenzo. You know, it's kind of what I'm thinking, maybe. So Lauren Culp. Okay. anyways, let's see what President Trump has to say about Lauren Culp. This person, this individual is coming out of the state of Washington. Ladies and gentlemen, it always does my heart good whenever we have uh, endorsees or, you know, America first candidates coming out of blue states and left states. Uh, For example, of course, we got Washington here. We'll talk about New York later on because we got a couple coming out of New York. Uh, President Trump says about uh, Lauren Culp. Lauren Culp is running against Rhino Congressman Dan Newhouse in Washington's 4th District. Newhouse joined the radical left Democrats to vote for the impeachment hoax, angering his constituents and causing the Republican Party of Washington to totally rebuke him. Lauren Culp has protected the great people of central Washington for years as a highly respected police officer chief or police chief officer, (laughs) a man of the people. Lauren will always defend your personal liberty, our under siege Second Amendment, election integrity and law enforcement. Unlike Dan Newhouse, who is absolutely terrible, Lauren will never turn his back on central Washington or our country. Lauren Culp has my complete and total endorsement. 
Now, like I said, if I had had the time to really dig onto some of these individuals, I would have done so. I did for a couple of them, ladies and gentlemen, but only because one was really easy to dig on. Actually, two of them, the two, they were really easy to dig on. Apparently, this man also ran for governor at one point, and I suppose he lost. Uh, but I don't really have a whole lot other information on Lauren Culp. Uh, other than what President Trump recommends of him. And that, again, is where, you know, the uh, that is where the uh, that's where the conversation comes, ladies and gentlemen. Again, we don't obviously obviously we don't want to just take at face value and with full competence those whom President Trump endorses. I mean, come on, you know, we've already had our share of discussions about certain candidates that we may not all agree with. And I think uh, the one that comes to mind most sharply is the Ortega Starbuck debacle happening in Tennessee. Uh, I think a lot of us see that Robbie Starbuck was the one who is truly deserving that endorsement. And yet it's going to a deep state insider like uh, Mergen Ortegas. Okay, so there's that, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, let's go ahead and push past Mr. Lauren Culp. Let's go over to the next mistaken identity. This is not female Morgan Griffith. This is, in fact, Congressman Morgan Griffith. Okay, I thought, you know, I saw Loren, I saw Morgan, I saw Katie, I saw Elise, and I was like, ah, he's just endorsing a whole bunch of women. Okay, uh, let's see here. Uh, we got, uh, oh, let's see here. Hey, smoking grandma, what's going on? Smoking grandma says that Lauren Culp lost to illegitimate Inslee. Ooh, man, Inslee, no bueno. I have heard horror stories about the supposed governor Inslee of Washington. And, uh, well, Godspeed and God bless smoking grandma. Cause you are, uh, you, your, your plate is a little bit heavier, even though we have a big old rhino governor here in Texas. You know what I mean? All right, let's talk about Mergen Griffith. Okay, Mergen Griffith. Uh, again, I thought we had like five female candidates. <laughs> Boy, I should just not just jump the gun sometimes. Um, okay, so in regards to Mergen Griffith, he is a current sitting congressman. Says Congressman Mergen Griffith is doing a fantastic job representing the people of Virginia's 9th Congressional District. Mergen is working hard to grow our economy and create jobs, champion American energy independence, secure our border, support our military and vets, protect and defend our Second Amendment, and hold the Biden administration accountable for their colossal incompetence. Morgan has my complete and total endorsement. All right. And again, like I said, you know, easiest when they're incumbents or when they are sitting uh, elected officials, because you can always reference their voting uh, record. I think that's probably the easiest thing that can be done. It's easier than digging around for news articles, stories, reports, uh, you know, uh, tax records, FOIA requests. It's much easier when they're already, uh, they already have a voting record. So people of Virginia, Mergen, uh, I forgot his name already, uh, but Mergen here, this Mergen guy. All right. So you go ahead. I already, I already erased his little uh, finger off my screen there. So uh, the next person we got is John Mulinar. John Mulinar. Okay. So John Mulinar is also a sitting congressman, ladies and gentlemen. 
He is uh, he is representative of the state of Michigan. All right, another deep blue state, another uh, another state that is quite uh, corrupt. It's always good to see potential America First candidates in states such as this. Now, John Mulinar, in regards to Congressman Mulinar, President Trump says, Congressman John Mulinar is a terrific representative of the people of Michigan in the United States Congress. He is working hard to lower health care costs, champion our farmers and agriculture, grow our economy, secure our border, support our military and vets, defend life and protect our Second Amendment. John Mulinar has my complete and total endorsement. And now I don't need to go on to another lost diatribe about uh, vetting these people, um, but Michigan, Virginia, Washington... You got your your jobs cut out for you. Not hard, like I said, when they've been sitting sitting in in, uh, representation. All right, now we get to our first female endorsee. I'm not being sexist or segregationist, guys. It just, they fell this way, okay? Uh, Now, this is a congressman, or do I have to be PC? This is Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. All right, so Claudia Tenney is uh, is again just like her the two predecessors before her is a sitting member of Congress. Now, if you guys want to get technical, you know, if all of these that we just uh, went over with were, you know, elected in the 2020 election, uh <laughs> Do we need to talk again about how that entire election should be null and void because the machines that were supposed to be certified to run the elections were not certified even prior to the elections? They weren't certified till after the election. I mean, that whole thing is null and void. I mean, we got so many rhinos in office right now. I think we just need to get rid of all of them. I think a lot of you guys would agree with me on that one. I don't know. If you agree with me, let me know. Um, Okay, so uh, let's see here. Claudia Tenney. President Trump says about Congresswoman Tenney, Congresswoman Tenney is a fantastic representative for the Southern tier. Ah, so we got another Michigan uh, endorsee for, oh, no, 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 I take that back. This one's not Michigan. I'm thinking of the Southern uh, portion. No, this is New York. My bad. Okay. (laughs) My bad. I got it. Isn't one called like the upper right thumb up there in Michigan? I don't know. Anyways. Okay. So it says, uh, um, uh, a representative for the Southern tier and a great member of Congress. She is strong on crime, securing our border. The second amendment and will always fight for our wonderful veterans and our military. Claudia has my complete and total endorsement. She will continue fighting for America First agenda in the Southern Tier, Western New York, and throughout New York District 23. Okay. See, when we start, I don't know. I start to kind of, I start to kind of get getting a little bit kind of like in certain states, you know, in certain states. Uh, but Claudia Tenney, rep of New York, uh, has the approval of President Trump. So good job, Claudia. All right. Now, who dis on the screen now? All right. This is actually um, a, a freshman. Well, she would be a freshman if she gets in. First time runner. Okay. This is uh, Katie Arrington, ladies and gentlemen. And Katie Arrington has received the endorsement of President Trump 
much to the dismay of the incumbent of that same district. Now, some of you all may remember the incumbent of that district, um, a nasty woman by the name of Nasty Nancy Mace. That name definitely rings a bell, right? Nancy Mace, Nancy Grace... Nancy Pelosi? No, no, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, But no, Nancy Mace uh, is actually uh, someone who received Trump's endorsement, ladies and gentlemen. So here we go again, talking about people who uh, were ill-fitted to be representatives of their constituents and who definitely did not deserve uh, deserve the vote of confidence that comes with President Trump's endorsement. Uh, we have, uh, I mean, uh, the other one was who Anthony Gonzalez was another one. Uh, and this Nancy Mace one didn't really live, uh, live out her, uh, didn't live her best life as, uh, as an endorsed candidate of president Trump. But, uh, uh, in regards to Katie Arrington, who received this endorsement, much to the dismay of Nancy Mace, President Trump says Katie Arrington is running against an absolutely terrible candidate, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, whose remarks and attitude have been devastating for her community and not at all representative of the Republican Party to which she has been very disloyal. Katie Arrington, on the other hand, is liked and respected and a true Republican. Her automobile accident a number of years ago was devastating, and it made it very difficult for her to campaign after having won the primary against another terrible candidate, Mr. Argentina. Katie is strong on the military, our great vets, law enforcement, the border, and will fight very hard for our under-sieged Second Amendment and lower taxes. Katie is a wonderful woman and has my complete and total endorsement. Now, that is interesting there, ladies and gentlemen. That's something that I think is worth kind of digging into. Because, you know, she so she ran before. She uh, what got to the... Was, did she get to the primary? Is that what she said? He said? Okay, hold on. Just give me a moment. Let's see here. Let's reread that. Uh, it, it made it very difficult for her to campaign after having won the primary against another terrible candidate, Mr. Argentina. How interesting. Wait, why am I understanding this to be of New York? It looks like this is uh, of South Carolina. South Carolina. Let's see. Okay. Um, let's see if we can find something respectable, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see if we can find something that at least has a modicum of respectability. Let's, uh, this, this should do it. For, for our intent and our purposes, this should do it. An article from the New York Post... Uh, The article says fatal head-on crash was so horrific that first responder had a heart attack. Oh, my God. This is a story about uh, Katie Arrington's car crash. Aww. Is this it? No. Why did you give me this story when we're talking about... Oh, my goodness. For the love of... Okay. (laughs) Let me make sure she's not in here. That's terrible. Okay. 
Okay, all right. That was terrible, New York Post. How could you do that to me and my audience? I feel so wounded right now. I feel very attacked. Okay, um, let's see here. I just want some information on this uh, car incident. Because after all, ladies and gentlemen, it's... Uh, There are no such things as coincidences, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so this is for South Carolina. Um, let's see. Uh, GOP candidate Katie Arrington seriously hurt in car crash. Politico, you're terrible, Politico. I can't believe Politico. Okay, we're going to pull this one here. Uh... Mm, let's see here. All I want is a good article to read. I don't want to pull up none of this CNN BS. Um, oh, okay, we can do this one. Okay. Oh, this was, uh, this was a minute ago. Okay, so this is from the conservative treehouse. They've had their moments. Don't get me wrong, guys. I know they've had their moments, but it's better than CNN at this point, I would have to say. Katie Arrington barely survives head-on collision. There are billions of dollars at stake. Accidents happen. This isn't one of them. Okay. South Carolina lawmaker Katie Arrington, who defeated U.S. Representative Mark Sanford, I guess that's Mr. Argentina, uh, in the Republican primary for his seat last month, was seriously injured in a fatal car accident on Friday night. Campaign advisor Michael Mule said that Arrington 47, a state representative, was on her way to Hilton Head, South Carolina, for a Saturday morning event when another car, which was driving in the wrong lane, struck her vehicle head-on. Do you think that was an accident, guys? She was struck in a head-on collision with a car driving in the wrong lane. I smell no accident. According to a spokesman, she suffered a fracture in her back, several broken ribs, and she will have major surgery to remove portions of her small intestine and colon. Because of the accident, a main artery in her leg also partially collapsed and will require a stint. Her spokesman said she will require multiple surgeries and will be in the hospital for at least two weeks. Oh, it sounds like the time that I was bedridden for two months. Of course, nothing compares. Um, what the heck is Cocaine Mitch doing here? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They're the culprits. There are the culprits. <laughs> I'm just saying, guys. I'm just saying. That's, uh, that's intense. That is intense, y'all. That is intense. Okay. Let's, uh, let's pull up this one, too. Oh, look, we have another, we have at least another honorable mention for tonight. We have Breitbart. Breitbart says, pro-Trump Katie Arrington launches comeback bid in South Carolina. The comeback kid with Katie Arrington, guys. Challenging establishment, Nancy Mace. Man, you can't keep her down, guys. You know they do not like people like that, right? Pro-Trump conservative Katie Arrington will on Tuesday formally launch a congressional bid in South Carolina's first congressional district, she told Breitbart News exclusively on Monday evening. 
The race will pit Arrington against establishment GOP representative Nancy Mace, a major proxy battle for the future of the party in South Carolina's low country. The South Carolina low country needs to be represented by a true pro-Trump conservative representative who's going to stand up, Arrington said in a phone interview. The current congresswoman turned her back on the low country. She turned her back on President Trump and she has not done what she w- what was asked her to uh, go up there and do. She's more about branding herself and becoming a media personality than actually representing the priorities of the district. So we're going to we're going at it to represent the priorities. Arrington was previously the GOP nominee for this congressional district in 2018 midterm elections. With Trump's support in the primary, she defeated then-Representative Mark Sanford, the former governor of South Carolina who came back in a congressional special election, only to then turn on now-former President Donald Trump. Their words, not mine. Trump endorsed Arrington on election day in the primary in South Carolina, and the brash conservative woman handily defeated Sanford. But just a short time after vanquishing the never-Trump congressman in the year's primary, Arrington was a, was a passenger involved in a deadly car crash. The driver of the car was killed, and Arrington was relegated to the hospital and eventually a wheelchair for much of the rest of the campaign. The incident pulled her off the trail for months and seemingly allowed now-former Democrat Representative Joe Cunningham to slip past her and take the South Carolina seat. A Democrat win for the first time in decades. Mace then challenged Cunningham in 2020, defeating him and swinging the seat back to the GOP. Arrington told Breitbart News in what was her first interview in nearly four years since the end of the election in 2020 that she is feeling fantastic. Her campaign launch video, which she provided to Breitbart News exclusively ahead of its public release as well, shows her up and walking around, having a full recovery from the 2018 accident. I don't know. Do you guys want to see it or what? I'm game. Are you game? I'm I'm curious, guys. I'm curious. So uh, let's go ahead and check this out real quick. Our founding fathers envisioned our leaders to be public servants and stewards of their community. It was never about personal gain, celebrity status, or self-enrichment. It was supposed to be about the people you represent. I'm Katie Arrington, a servant conservative with one mission, and that is to prioritize the people of South Carolina's low country by advancing President Trump's America First agenda. Let's be honest, Nancy Mace is a sellout. She sold out the low country. She sold out President Trump. She is more interested in becoming a mainstream media celebrity than fighting for the people she's supposed to represent. Selfies with Carol Baskin, Monkey Island, legalizing marijuana. Why is she prioritizing that over the skyrocketing inflation, high gas prices, and economic security for the low country? Is Nancy Mace high? The hairstylists, the grocery store clerks, the carpenters, the waitresses, the entrepreneurs working so hard to get by keep getting hit by the failures of Washington. And Nancy Mace isn't doing anything to change that. That's why I'm running for Congress. That's why I intend to win. In Congress, I'll be a proud pro-Trump conservative, protecting the unborn, building the wall, getting our economy moving again, and standing up to Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and the radical left. Our founding fathers didn't want politicians to make a career of it. 
That's why I'll reject the congressional health care and retirement benefits. I'll limit my service to four terms or eight years if you elect me. And I will donate a percentage of my congressional salary to low country charities. I don't want to go to Washington for me. I want to go to serve you. We cannot afford another term of selfish leadership while our communities struggle. So if you want to drain the swamp and send those self-serving politicians packing, then please join our team today. See now, those are my kind of candidates right there. Oh, she awesome. Is she high? (laughs) Oh man, she's just taking a crack of whack at Nancy Mace. Oh, we ain't even done with this yet. Okay, I am so team Arrington. Go Katie Arrington. Oh, I am so on her side. She kind of reminds me of Carrie Lake. In a very strange way. Don't get me wrong, right? Okay. And don't worry, guys. We got Carrie Lake coming up. Okay. So, Katie Arrington. I'm going to keep this one on my radar, guys. Katie Arrington. I am definitely going to keep her on my radar. I want to see what happens with her. I want to see what happens with her. And uh, they better not send another car after her is all I have to say. All right. Thanks for bearing with me on that sound. It's a good thing we did that because I have the Carrie Lake interview coming up and uh, it's got to be perfect. Okay, so let's finish this up. We got one more endorsement to talk about, one more endorsee, and then we're going on to Carrie Lake, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Okay. The ensuing years, in the ensuing years, Arrington worked in the Pentagon as a career national security official under both the administrations, first of Trump and then of President-select Joe Biden, whose leftist team relentlessly targeted her because of her loyalty to Trump. Thank you for asking how I am. I am doing fantastic, Arrington said. Spending your life running around the Pentagon for three years, you get run back into physical condition with the concrete floors and something around 22,000 steps a day. I am in great physical condition. I agree with you. It's the way of the Democrats. Joe Cunningham in 2018 said, oh, I'm not going to fundraise while she's in the hospital out of respect. That absolutely was not the case. It was heartbreaking to recover from that. The loss is on me. I don't make mistakes twice and the missteps that were made in that campaign will not be made in this campaign. Arrington has also hired Axiom Strategies, the political consulting firm run by GOP strategist Jeff Rowe and Kristen Davison, the team that helped elect Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin. Something she says is a sign she is ready to win. Ethan Zorfis from Axiom, who led the 2020 U.S. Senate campaign for Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, will oversee the race. I've hired a national company, Axiom Strategies, to come in and help run this campaign and take on this mighty task. But taking on an incumbent does not bother me, Arrington said. Nancy Mace does not bother me. I know what I bring to the district. I see what she hasn't. In 2018, I was sidelined by the accident, and not many people realize this, but three weeks after the accident, my mother passed away. It was just really hard to come back from all that financially with people thinking it was a sure thing. I think that's one thing Americans and especially conservatives have realized, which is we really need to make our voices heard. We need to do... uh, We need to do... 
that through donations, we need to do that through grassroots efforts to maintain the integrity of the Republican Party because people like Mace up in D.C., they're waffling. They're blue waffling. She's a lot like Mark Sanford in that she votes for what's best for her, not what's best for the district. Arrington, both in her interview with Breitbart News and in her campaign launch video, ripped Mace for a number of misguided moves, including Mace's push to legalize marijuana. At one point in the video, Arrington even jokingly asked of Mace, is she high? Arrington said her time in the Trump Pentagon prepared her to take on the issues she says voters in South Carolina's first district want to see their member of Congress focused on. Being inside the belly of the beast in the deep state for three years and working for the vast majority of that during the Trump administration and actually seeing things getting done. I worked on Operation Warp Speed. I worked on the COVID pandemic directly with the president. And I can't say enough about those people. What Biden has done in the past year and watching Nancy Mace absolutely apoplectic up there in D.C., I had to run, Arrington said. There are things we absolutely need to get done. We have a congresswoman who's not paying attention and who's not using any of her self-branded media time to talk about inflation, to talk about border control, to talk about the huge gas prices. All she's worried about is taking selfies with Carol Baskin. She's going out to Monkey Island and trying to legalize marijuana, which undercuts what the state, Tom Davis here in South Carolina, has been trying to do for a long time with medical marijuana. She's not prioritizing this district at all. That makes me really need to get up there. She also ripped Mace for a tendency to side with the Democrats and for using her congressional perch for things like taking selfies with Carol Baskin of Tiger King fame and getting herself booked on leftist television networks like CNN. Nancy tends to side with Democrats and politicizing my role as a senior executive service member who is serving this nation. They made it really, really difficult, Arrington said. They, the Biden administration, held onto my clearance and I had to sue them. It was a gut-wrenching decision to make. She should be scared. Nancy has not fulfilled her promises. She has not been she's never been a representative. I served with her in the state house in South Carolina and have watched her as a congresswoman. She is always looking for her next job. She's not focused on what she needs to get done at home. That's what I do. I get things done at home. She should be afraid. I intend to go to Congress and get things in line. We need some sanity up there, don't you think? Arrington also ripped Mace for voting to hold former uh, Trump advisor and former Breitbart News executive Steve Bannon in contempt over the January 6th nonsense, which she did last year. What we need in Congress are strong conservative Republicans that are going to be a for President Trump's America first agenda, first and foremost. Arrington said, I worked on the pandemic on the supply chain. Um, I worked in the Department of Defense on our supply chain. We've got to take Americans and make sure we're the priority, not the world. I talked about that in the previous campaign, and it hasn't changed. That needs to be a priority one. We need to work on getting this inflation under control. The Biden administration and how they're looking at it, they just want to give people more money. No, that's not how it works. We have got to get this under control. You look at this horrendous deficit and what my grandchildren are inheriting because people like Nancy Mace are willing to vote yes with the Biden administration instead of having a backbone and standing for what conservatives believe in. That's family protecting the unborn and making sure our borders are secure. There is absolutely a ton that needs to get done. And it's sad to see the rhinos going and voting like Mace going and censoring Steve Bannon. 
why do we not have enough crisis in this world that we need to have somebody who goes into office to go vote with the Democrats to start censoring and subpoenaing the free press? That's not what we elected. That is not what we are about here in South Carolina 1. I can tell you that. A local news report from the conservative Fitz News, while forecasting a likely run from Arrington, predicted Trump is likely to endorse her if she gets in the race, as she is now doing. Trump has formally called for a primary challenge to Mace, and while she is yet to weigh in, Arrington said she hopes he will endorse her. President Trump is a very busy man, keeping the momentum of the GOP going and the fire in the belly of the true conservatives, Arrington said. Thank God for him, Melania, and their family. They truly are American heroes in my eyes. They have not given up. I can only hope for an endorsement from President Trump. I hope he sees what I did in the Department of Defense for America to make sure we have the best in cybersecurity and national security over the past few years and what we did on the pandemic over the last few years to make sure we had the supplies that we needed and the security of Operation Warp Speed to make the vaccine available to whoever wants it. I sure hope he would endorse me, but we will see. I'm running because the first congressional district needs a true conservative and not somebody who's going to side with Biden on silly things and go out and propose legislation that is not in line with where the priorities of this district are. All right. Uh, This uh, article concludes former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who served in the Trump administration as U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, again crossed Trump this week when she endorsed Mace's re-election bid. This battle, assuming Trump does get bed behind Arrington, would prove to be the ultimate proxy war for control of the future of the party between Trump and his allies and more anti-Trump establishment forces seeking to regain power. What an interesting article that is, guys. I am totally beside myself. All right, Katie Arrington, how many times do you hear a candidate talk like that? Talk like that, like they mean what the heck they're saying. I'm totally pumped up for Katie Arrington. She reminds me of Carrie Lake. I'm telling you guys, she reminds me of Carrie Lake. You know, she has that kind of like pre-anorexic motherly look of like Sarah Palin, but she's not like, oh yeah, now don't you know, and yeah, oh now don't you know kind of thing. But she definitely has the brain, the the knowledge and the logic and the quickness of speech like someone like Carrie Lake. So she reminds me of Carrie Lake. Now, didn't we just read yesterday that Mike Pence wanted to run with Nikki Haley? Does that not say enough to people who are sitting on the fence, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, we'll leave that there, Mr. C. Okay, all right. So that was uh, that was pretty good, guys. I got to say, I'm going to be keeping an eye on this Katie Arrington, guys, out of South Carolina. But with that in mind, uh, that's going to bring us all the way to not him, not her. That's that's Katie Arrington. She's the lady we just talked about. It's going to bring us all the way to this woman, this butch queen right here. This butch queen called Nancy Mace. Oh, just based on everything that they have been saying about Nancy Mace, I think that uh, I think she deserves this one, guys. It is rhino hunting season.
Okay, guys. I'm never going to get tired of that. Hey, Shanjo, welcome back in. How are you doing this afternoon or this evening? Or welcome back, I should say. Thank you for gifting the cookie. WC Cranop, good evening. How are you doing? Hey, Jackie Blue. Good to see you, Jackie Blue. How are you? And thank you for gifting that cookie. Glad, uh, glad you're popping in to saying hello. And uh, hey, WC Cranop, 300 gold pills with a question mark. I don't know, Mr. Uh, W.C. Cranop. Why do all the women have a set? <laughs> it's like these women can walk them to the corner and, uh, you know, I don't think they have to worry about them not making it. Anyways, uh, good stuff, guys. Good stuff. And uh, thank you all for joining us here live. Okay. All right. Uh, we're not going to spend much time on this Nancy Mace person because, after all, I think that her, uh, I think that her uh, political competitor there, Katie Arrington, did a pretty good job of reaming her a little bit on uh, on all of her faults. Okay. But uh, let's see here. What about this Nancy Mace? So again, here's a good example of someone that President Trump endorses. That's no bueno. That's bad. That's not good. That, you know, either totally turns on him or ends up being a true rhino. In this case, it seems like we got a true rhino here on our hands with Nancy Mace. Uh, We see that a week after she got into Congress, like a week after she was sworn in, ladies and gentlemen, as a Trump endorsed candidate. Okay, this woman... Uh, This woman uh, basically shredded into President Trump over the January 6th false flag riots, okay? She said that everything everything that President Trump had accomplished during those last four years of his presidency, that legacy that he had created had been wiped out by what he caused on January 6th during those false flag riots. And that everything that he'd worked for, done, and achieved was gone, And that because of that, the GOP would have to start from scratch. Oh, yeah. Not even standing up. Not even standing up for the man who made you, Nancy Mace. There's a thing to be said about disloyalty, ladies and gentlemen. We can deal with backstabbers. We can deal with the snakes in the grass. But disloyal people are worse than dishonest people, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so she trashed President Trump the first week she was serving as a United States Congresswoman. Uh, as um, as uh, uh, Katie Arrington pointed out, you know, she um, sided with, uh, um, uh, with the unselect committee against Steve Bannon. And then, of course, in a move that maybe not many people caught, she also voted to keep... China lizard Liz Cheney in her position in the Republican Party in the first vote on the matter. And that was uh, one of nine Republicans. You know, uh, she also, again, wanted to hold Steve Bannon in contempt of Congress. So, uh, yeah, Nancy Mace got to go. And uh, I think there was a video of her most recently standing in front of the Trump Tower kind of like complaining that President Trump did not endorse her. But hey, she's got the endorsement of Rhino Nikki Haley, so I guess it's all good. Right, Nancy Mace? Oh, hey, that's going to look really bad, right? I did not zoom in on her, okay? Her 
I did not zoom in on her fortitude. The computer did, okay? <laughs> you guys know who this is, don't you? Of course you do. This is a representative. Oh, whoops, wrong one. Where'd she go? Elise Stefanik. Elise! Oh, Elise. Elise, Elise, Elise. Okay, guys. We're going to take a little bit of... Uh, journey, if you will, with Elise Stefanik. Now, this journey with Elise might not be here or there, to be quite honest with you guys, because after all, she is currently, uh, she is currently uh, uh, sitting in it as the chairwoman of the House GOP, okay? And uh, she got there on some merit, obviously. Now, again, one of the main running themes that we have been going through tonight, this week, indeed in general, is um, the endorsements of President Trump. Take them or leave them. Trust them, don't trust them. How about do your own research, ladies and gentlemen? Well, I'll tell you a little about Elise Stefanik. Uh, I, what I remember Elise Stefanik uh, coming up during the impeachment trials. I remember Elise Stefanik standing against Adam Shifty Schiff Watermelon Head Schiff, right? I remember that. I remember seeing seeing those impeachment hearings, both of them. She was always virulently defying Adam uh, Schiff. In fact, I remember, it, I think it was during the impeachment trials, if not, it was prior to, where they had censored all of this material, uh, data, and they wouldn't allow anyone to read it on the floor. They wouldn't allow anyone to see it. So she got up there and she, she instead of, you know, taking her five minutes to ask questions during a hearing, she just read the data. And she was like, well, you won't let us sub submit this as evidence or, you know, in our case. So I'm just going to I'm just going to put it on the record here. Uh, oh, man, they were pissed off. So I remember thinking like, oh, this woman, Elise Stefanik. Now there's one to watch. Now, somewhere in there, ladies and gentlemen, somewhere in there, there was something this woman did. I wish I had taken a note. I wish I had made a copy of the article. I wish I had, like, screenshotted it or watched the video. You know, whatever. There was something she did that made me go, wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? Like, is this woman really for Trump or not? Or is this woman really a, a Republican? Or is she really pro-American? Anyways, so, you know... We're going to read this endorsement. She's been endorsed by President Trump. I'm sure she has deserved it. Uh, and we're also going to look at a couple of articles from her past. Okay. We're going to look at a couple of articles from her past. And again, this is not to drive a wedge. This is not to cause uh, dissension. This is to provoke research, thought, reasoning, that kind of thing, you know, because I think we benefit more from that than we do over someone telling you who you should and should not vote for, who you should and should not trust. Uh, but we already know the goods on her. Like I said, she stood up as a firebrand during, uh, you know, during um, during uh, President Trump's impeachment. But uh, yes, sir. OK, all right. Uh, so let's go ahead and see what President Trump has to say about Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, don't forget, she's the one who replaced China Liz Lizard Cheney, okay, as the chairwoman of the House GOP uh, committee.
says here, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, the chairwoman of the House GOP, is doing an amazing job for New York. Elise is one of our America First Movement's greatest warriors. Mm? She's destroyed Adam Shifty Shift, corrupt Cuomo, and wacky Lizard Liz China Cheney. Now she'll represent many more counties, all big Trump country, including Montgomery, Rensselaer, Rensselaer, uh, Shahari, Oneida, Oswego, and Ostego in the New York twenty the, in the new New York twenty one district. What kind of names are these? I never heard of them. These things here before. Elise will continue to fiercely defend our movement and expose the radical left's lies. She is very strong on election integrity, our Second Amendment, veterans, farmers, military, and New York law enforcement. Elise has my complete and total endorsement. Very cool. Very cool. I totally approve. Um, Sean Joe says, I believe she is sincerely MAGA now. And I believe this to be the case. I, I don't know. It was, it was during the impeachment uh, debacles and the hearings that I took a shining to Elise. You know, um, it was just subsequently information from her past uh, that had come forward for me. You know, so I was kind of like, well, is she, is she for Trump or is she not? Because she was fighting for him hard. It's just when things, because I'm all about redemption, guys. Like, you know, we talked about Vernon Jones. That was hard, okay? Because I was a big supporter of Vernon Jones. And I'm not saying that the man can't turn over a leaf, so to speak. But if you exact, but his past record, guys, of all of the deception on both sides of the aisle, okay? It just, it just says to me that whatever side this guy's on, he's about himself. It has nothing to do with whether or not he's, uh, you know, a Democrat and, and an anti-Trumper, and then he turns into a pro-Trump person, and he's turned over a new leaf, and he's seen the light, and he's come to Jesus, and he's had redemption. That's not the, the, the byline that I got going over Vernon Jones's history through the news. Okay. The byline I got was the man's about himself and he's deceived and hurt a lot of people along the way. Now, like I said, I'm going to share some information with you all about Elise Stefanik in her past. Okay. She could have had a change of heart. She could have turned it over a leaf. She could have seen redemption. She could have seen the light. She could have met Jesus. Okay. Um, the byline I get from Elise is pretty much what Sean Joe just said, that I think that she is a sincere MAGA supporter, America first person now. But it always does help. I think there's always, you know, having, knowing your past or knowing the past is where wisdom comes from, right? Learning from those experiences. So uh, how could one learn from any experiences if we have no knowledge of the past? Now, I would say, I can't say all of these issues that I'm about to share with you guys would create a mute point for her because she's now the chairwoman of the GOP and, you know, and she's now, you know, like uh, received another endorsement from President Trump. This is like her second or third endorsement. So um, all of that stands on the up and up. But let's just, let's just take a look. Let's just, uh, let's just open up you know, the, uh, the, the old war chest there and see what they've got to say about that. WC Cranop says, judge a tree by the fruit that it bears. And I, I would definitely agree with that too, sir. Uh, so far she's done a pretty good job. 
but be, but so that this way we don't get what's the word we don't get uh you know uh waylaid by the future at least we're aware of where she comes in the past um so there were a couple of articles like i said uh let me see here if i can pull those for you and then again i try and find you know reputable type articles like there's this uh publication here it's called red state uh there's something about red state I don't generally always mesh with. So I don't tend to read their articles. Um, this one says, we're replacing Liz Cheney with pro-abortion, anti-border wall, pro-transgender, anti-religious, freedom Republicans, and we're supposed to be happy. Now, this is actually dated May 2021. So this was, yeah, about the time that uh, Elise Stefanik was going up, uh, coming up for assuming the position that Liz Cheney was removed from as chairwoman of the House Republican Conference. Um, but uh, let's see here. Now, there's links for all of this information, guys, and I pulled all of them. Most of these links are voting records, so it's not like they're just stating their opinion or they're just reading another article. Like, there's an actual voting record that shows Elise Stefanik did indeed not vote for the wall. Elise Stefanik did indeed vote against funding the wall. Uh, she voted to end uh, President Trump's emergency. So all that stuff. So we'll just we'll just real quick we'll real quick go through this because uh, our time is running short it says uh we'll start right here uh while voting to keep the progeny of new york politicians fully employed she co-sponsored the amnesty light usa act this was one of those let's pass an amnesty bill today in return for really, really tough border security in the future bills. Uh, lest you think this was some humanitarian act and not acting like a Chamber of Com Commerce open border sock puppet, look at the rest of her public record. She voted against funding for, for the border wall. She voted to end President Trump's emergency declaration that served as a justification to divert federal funds to the construction of the border wall. She also voted to override President Trump's funding of the wall. Uh, while voting against tax cuts and weakening immigration controls, she also opposed the Trump administration's fight against Obamacare. She voted to continue to permit uh, military to accept transsexual recruits in the 2020 National Defense Authorization Act, a bill that also embedded critical race theory into the military via the creation of diversity, inclusion, and equity offices in the Pentagon and subordinate headquarters, when President Trump vetoed the bill, she voted with the Democrats to override the veto. She voted for the so-called Equality Act that strips churches and religious groups of the ability to refuse to hire people living a lifestyle that conflicts with their beliefs. She voted against her own caucus to support a D.C. abortion law that, in the words of Heritage's Ryan Anderson, could force employers in the nation's capital to cover elective surgical abortion in their health plans and require pro-life organizations to hire individuals who advocate for abortion. Uh, so that was just, and like I said, all of these are links to uh, a bills, guys. So like, like, let's see here. Roll call. Pop that baby open. Oh, this is actually an article. My bad. These eight Republicans voted for the Equality Act. There's at least Stefanik standing for. So anyways, this is the past, right? Not the present. 
She may have come to the light. She may see redemption, right? So we're not gonna we're not gonna hold her to the fire because she's done good work. You know, this is kind of like uh, you know, you got people who do good work and you you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. They may absolutely have um, they may absolutely have uh, been in the course of redemption and correcting the ways of their past. Is kind of what I think, right? Um, I had a thought here about that. Anyways, so. You know, she could have, she may, she may have be, she may be seeing the light. Oh, here's, here's my thought. Okay. Here's my thought. So I always have this other, I always have this other type of understanding of situations like this. Okay. When you get someone who votes for abortion, votes to keep transsexuals in, votes against the wall, votes to allow a type of amnesty, etc., Immediately, you recognize those people as rhinos, right? And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, what was the name of that one, that one um, lawyer that represented President Trump during uh, the impeachments? Um, she's from Florida. God, I forget her name. She had, she had a striking silver uh, dress on. That's all I remember, right? Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. <coughs> it starts with a B. Something Bonnie or Banny. Not. Oh, what was her name? Anyways, lawyer, something with a B, it doesn't matter. Point of the matter is, like, you see them and the way that they fight for President Trump, the way they stand up for his rights and against the Democrats, and it's so strong and it comes up in such a way that you you kind of connect with them on a level where you think that this is an America First MAGA person, can't be any other way. But really, if you think about it, they could really just be adding, thank you, Pam Bondi. Thank you so much, Jackie Blue. Thank you for being in the audience tonight, Jackie Blue. Pam Bondi, thank you. Yes, she had a striking silver, like, anyways. Okay, so they, they I mean, like, for example, with Elise standing up to Adam Schiff and then during those hearings, doing going rogue like she did, it gives her it gives her it gives her uh, you know not street cred, but it gives her like you know uh, you know a Washington D.C. Capitol Hill Isle cred. You know it adds credibility to her in whatever, and especially if she's going for bigger offices such as you know a House conference chairwoman, you know, like it adds more, it gives, it puts more in their, their belt. It gives them more credibility. It, it boosts their resume so that they could still very well be that rhino, but they're acting in a way that they're, they're moving and they're shaking things around. I'm not saying this is the case with the least Stefanik, but for anyone else who has a record like that, guys, you would kind of raise your eyebrows to it. Okay. You would kind of raise your eyebrows to it. Now, the last article I'm going to share on Elise Stefanik has to do with her. um, Well, this article says here, beware of Elise Stefanik's money trail, her financial advisors, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, I guess apparently she's very well associated with Wall Street money. So I'm going to, and guys, this is just to ask the question. You take it where you want. Don't judge me. Don't shoot the messenger. And definitely don't stop, don't start tuning out. Uh, (laughs) Don't stop showing up just because you don't agree with my point. Okay. Anyways. Okay. So uh, beware of Elise Stefanik's money trail. All right. Let's get this in some clear writing for you guys. It says here, uh, 
Did America First conservatives really win the battle over the GOP's congressional leadership last week? Old Guard Wyoming Representative China Lizard Liz Cheney may be out of power as the White House Republican Conference chair, but her replacement, New York GOP Representative Elise Stefanik, is a swampy shapeshifter whose campaign coffers are filled with open borders, radical social liberal, Wall Street cash. The multi-billion de- billion dollar money man behind Stefanik's rise to power is biz business, big, big business oligarch Paul Singer. He founded the hedge fund Elliott Management and propped up the political bids of several Republican women who rode the gender card to victory. Stefanik in New York's 21st Congressional District, anti-Trump establishment Republican Barbara Comstock in Virginia's 10th Congressional District, and John McCain loyalist and Trump flip-flopper Martha McSally, who held Arizona's 2nd Congressional District before losing her 2020 special election to retain the Senate seat she was appointed to when former Senator John Kyle stepped down at the late as the late McCain's replacement. Singer funded the Washington Free Beacon, ostensibly a conservative news website run by Trump hater Bill Crystal's son-in-law, Matthew Continetti, which in turn hired the Fusion GPS's opposition research outfit to compile the infamous Trump dossier, which was passed on to the Hillary Clinton campaign and Democrat National Committee after Trump won the GOP primary. Singer helped raise $1 million for Trump bashing Mitt Romney's failed 2012 presidential bid and uh, $1 million for Karl Rove's Super PAC in 2014 and $1 million for the failed 2016 presidential bid for pro-illegal amnesty shill Senator Marco Rubio of Florida. He pushed gay marriage and the alphabet soup agenda on the GOP. He underwrote fellow failed GOP presidential candidate and former Florida Governor Jeb Bush's Common Core advocacy. He backed the open borders amnesty Republicans behind the Gang of Eight push for cheap foreign workers. As I documented previously in this column and in my book, Sold Out, Singer helped fund the National Immigration Forum along with fellow hedge fund billionaires George Soros. NIF propped up a faux grassroots initiative of religious conservatives dubbed the Evangelical Evangelical, sorry guys, Evangelical Immigration Table to lobby for the Gang of Eight. NIF was founded by far-left attorney Rick Schwartz, who opposes tracking deporting visa outstayers and opposes employer sanctions against companies that violated immigration laws. Schwartz also served as an advisor to Microsoft on Capitol Hill. Schwartz worked closely with immigration expansionist Senator Spencer Abrahams, um, uh, legislative director Cesar Conda and Senator Sam Brownback's legislative director and open borders anti-Trump former GOP speaker Paul Ryan. Conda previously worked for the pro-amnesty U.S. Chamber of Commerce and mentored U.S. Uh, mentored Ryan from the age of 19. Conda guided newbie Rubio as his Senate chief of staff from 2011 to 2014 and remains his powerful immigration uh, Svengali behind closed doors. 
While she may have earned Trump's endorsement for the GOP number two leadership position, Stefanik's pedigree and financial allegiances lie with Paul Ryan and his America Last sugar daddies. Citing Open Secrets campaign finance data, Breitbart.com reported that Singer consistently gave Ryan the maximum personal donation during his swamp tenure. In addition, through, through his Elliott management firm, Singer was one of the top donors to Ryan's associated super PACs. One left-leaning website reported that over three election cycles, 2014, 16, and 18, Stefanik was the second highest recipient of hedge fund contributions in the House, receiving $311,582. Stefanik served as Ryan's top campaign advisor in 2012 after seeing after serving in the singer-supported George W. Bush administration. So Stefanik served as Ryan's top campaign advisor in 2012 after serving in the George W. Bush administration. She praised her Beltway Barnacle colleagues as a true friend and a mentor after he stepped down as House Speaker in 2018, a move that had nothing to do with wanting to spend more time with his children, as he claimed at the time, but everything to do with creating what he later called an escape hatch from his nemesis. Donald Trump, and of course, cashing in on the massive super PAC war chest, he built up duping rank-and-file Republican MAGA donors. Swamp marinated birds of a feather flock together. The headliners, the headlines may label Stefanik a Trump loyalist for now, but in the beltway, the almighty dollar, Trump's party, principle or personality, follow the money, find the truth. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is all I've got to say about that. Now, if all the way through the, two, the year 2018... Elise Stefanik, and that's just a mere four years ago, guys. Elise Stefanik had received over $300,000 from this swamp creature, Singer. Do you think she doesn't still owe him something? I'm just saying. I'm not saying she's, she maybe, maybe she's strong enough to get away with it, guys. Maybe she's strong enough to, uh, to pull one over on these moneyed interests, but... I'm just saying her voting record is actually worse than Liz Cheney's. And that's actually a story I never shared with you guys. I had I had a story and I had Liz Cheney's voting record and Elise Stefanik's voting record to run them side by side. Okay, and uh, well, we never aired that story, but because, you know, I mean, she seems like a fighter. You know, she seems like a. She seems like, you know, she's all about it, you know? So anyways, okay. All right, guys, we are at the moment we have been waiting for. I know I've been waiting for this moment. Uh, We are going to air the Carrie Lake interview with 60 Minutes Australia. This is the full uncut interview. I don't know if you guys have seen this or not. Quite frankly, to be quite frank, to be frank, quite frank. It don't matter to me because I cannot wait to see this. And I know uh, I know the audience is going to love this um, audience is going to love this interview. Now, uh, like I said, um, there are clips of this interview going on throughout the, inter- the Internet. I think this 
interviews, as far as the clips go, they're like, what, about two days old now? Maybe, maybe three. I think it's about two days old. Um, and she absolutely steamrolls <laughs> this Australian 60 Minutes. Into, uh, I would I deign to say journalist, okay? Uh, but uh, we'll wrap the show with this, guys. Uh, it's about 25, 30 minutes long. It's the whole interview. It's the whole enchilada, guys. It's fire, ladies and gentlemen, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so let's get this rolling. And yes, guys, her husband and her family donated to Obama, okay? And they donated to, uh, you know, to John Kerry. But you don't hear me crying about it. I'm sharing the information with you guys, but I totally support Kerry Lake. Anyways, okay, that's just, you know, use your discernment, use your heart, use your gut, your reasoning, your logic, and your mind, and uh, don't just go along to get along, you know, I always rock the boat, but, you know, I like the balancing act. And sometimes I stir the pot, but I always lick the spoon. Okay, so let's go ahead and check this out. Let me let me try setting you guys up for good sound again. We're going to make sure we get this right. Okay, I'm doing all the proper steps. <laughs> okay, here we go, guys. Enjoy this, guys. Enjoy this, because this is definitely... One for the records. Yeah. Uh, did you hear that, Liam? We've got about Sorry, fif- we've got about fifteen minutes. Okay. All right. Well, let's get let's get started. Um, thanks for doing this for us, Carrie. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Good to be here. I'll tell you what, it's we're just talking about how hot it is at the moment. Summer down our way, and uh, geez, ah. nothing nothing like some of the heat and. <laughs> I don't know. We probably are pretty. We can compete when it comes to heat here in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. All right, you guys happy? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, Carrie, thanks very much for joining us. I really, really appreciate your time today. Donald Trump thinks you should be governor of Arizona. That's great. I think I should too. <laughs> um, I'm really honored to have his endorsement. It's the most powerful endorsement in all of politics, without a doubt. And it's more of the movement that he created, the America First movement. We saw so much what was happening before President Trump came on the scene, where our political elite sold us out to China. They sold our manufacturing out. They sold our businesses out. And they sold our working class out and and really relinquished what made America special, gave it over to China. And it was a decline of America. And with President Trump, we saw a resurgence of America, of America's power in the world. Uh, Our economy grew. Our families were healthier and happier because we had more money in our pockets. And I believe that the America First movement is really the way out of the mess that we found ourselves in right now. And boy, are we seeing it glaring with President Joe Biden in office. In a year, he's done more damage um, than I I thought any one person could do. Well, what's the appeal? What's the personal appeal of Donald Trump for smart people like you? Well, I just labeled, I I just told you what the appeal is. His America First movement. His America First movement, putting America first bringing our jobs but the personal, back. The personal appeal. I mean, do you see him, do you see him as a specific figure? Uh, does he sort of radiate power to you? Is that the appeal? I think the appeal for President Trump for Americans is that he, he cared about America. 
He gave up so much to run for president. He didn't have to do that. He had a comfortable life. But he saw that we were being uh, led astray by political leaders that really didn't have our best interest at heart. And so he, he put his life aside, jumped into the fray, and boy, was it a fray. And he managed to win the White House. And the most amazing thing he did was he made political promises that everyone said, oh, there's no way he can do that. And sure enough, right away, he got busy. And he showed America that you can get results fast. You know, we had been led to believe with our political leaders before President Trump, it took 10, 20 years for them to accomplish anything. President Trump comes on the scene and immediately starts you know, checking through his list, his to-do list of what he wanted to do for America. And he did this while he was being unfairly attacked by the media. The swamp was coming after him, yet he got so much done in one year. And then what he was able to get done in four years was even amazing. And everyone said, oh, he's going to be the guy that starts wars. No, he ended wars. He's going to be the guy that destroys this country. He brought this country back. So that's the appeal. I also think he's a great person. I've gotten to know him, and he's a, he's a wonderful man. To be a Trump supporter, as you are, do you have to believe in the big lie that the election was stolen? Is that a prerequisite? It's just, it's almost comical the way the media is portraying what happened in our election. You're, you know, thousands of miles away. You really have no idea what happened in our election. The media has been pushing this narrative calling it the big lie. The big lie is what the media has been peddling. We had a forensic audit here. All right, well, well, well we, make me believe. Make me, all right, well, well make me well, believe. Well, hopefully you've done... Give me, give me hard evidence. Give me real evidence. Well, I, I'd love to hand you over some evidence because there's a, there's a, the, there are a lot of loopholes that the, the Democrats and actually even some Republicans found to cheat. They didn't want Donald Trump to win. And we just, you know, in Maricopa County, officials violated Arizona statutes. They did not have the required chain of custody for at least 740,000 ballots. More than a million election-related files were deleted the day before they were to be handed over to our forensic audit investigators. I can continue reading, and I'm happy to continue. But, Kari, but Kari you've, had, you've had four official audits. Not one or two, but no, four no, no, official audits. No, 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 no. We've audits. had one audit, a forensic audit, that is admissible in a court of law. And I do believe that what was found in our forensic audit will eventually be presented in a court of law. And I do believe well, that you, people had, will be held accountable. And right now, we... You, you, go ahead, you've had, Sorry. You, you, you've had the... The point is, on a broad scale, on a very broad scale, right across the United States, you've had election officials, you've had court officials, you've had judges look at this. They've not looked at the evidence. They've not looked at the evidence. They've not... Well, there's been, there's been no evidence. No evidence has been presented in a single court of law in your country that has proved there's election fraud. I mean, if that is true, if, the, if, if it was stolen, as you say, why is there no evidence all a year of the, down the All track? of the past cases that have been heard in court, none of the evidence was presented. We now have the evidence from the forensic audit. The forensic audit is evidence, and it can be presented in a court of law, and I hope it will be, and I hope that our attorney general will do the right thing. People broke laws. They broke election laws here. They broke state laws here, and laws were broken, and it's really rich to have somebody from Australia coming here trying to tell us how our elections were run. 
You don't know well, it. I'm not, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying. No, no, no. Wait, you haven't done I'm your homework to... either. Why didn't you read the forensic audit? You come here and tell me I, to. I, you, you come here and you ask me to prove to you that our elections were fraudulent. I lived it. I lived it. My vote was adjudicated. So you're coming here from Australia where you don't even have any freedom. And you're trying to tell us that our elections were on the up and up? I don't think so. They weren't. And we have... Carry your own officials. Your, your own officials. Our own officials are corrupt. Your, our own officials your are own corrupt. Officials. The people your who officials are, the in people, the county you're sitting at in the moment, in Maricopa County, your officials have said, and I quote, you would have to be lying and delusional to think the election was stolen. That was after their own audit. I know the officials. You, you don't you, I, I know the officials you're talking about, and they had testified before Congress, and they have some problems. I believe they have some problems facing them. They lied. They lied to Congress, and this is all going to come out in the wash. Trust me, it's going to come out, and it's not going to look good for some of our officials. We had corrupt establishment politicians who allowed a corrupt, shady, shoddy election to play out. And then they took the results of that corrupt election and they certified it. And they should never have done that. They betrayed the people of Arizona. And it's really rich that sitting in Australia, you're trying to tell us how our election was run. And it's so, so, typical, it's so typical of the media to push this propaganda, the big lie. The big lie is what the media has been pushing for many, many years. It's the, media, it's the media's fault. So the media are corrupt. No, the election no, officials no, no, no. are corrupt. It's, the courts are all corrupt. Everybody's no, no, corrupt. No, no. no Liam. I'm asking you to do some research, to do some research on what's happening. As a journalist, you should. To sit there in Australia, to sit there in Australia and tell the people of your country that we have a big lie and that everyone's making this up. This is not. This is corruption at the highest levels of our government to allow our votes to be perverted this way and stolen. And and for you to sit well, there Carrie, and not do your research with, with, and not be a true with, journalist. With, with respect, with respect, I have done my research. With respect, I could be sitting on a hill in Timbuktu. It wouldn't matter where I was. There's still been no hard evidence presented. You're saying all the institutions that you have in America to do the checks and balances on this, all those people working in it are all, what, corrupt, totally corrupt. Do you, Democrats think, do you think it's the, okay that, that more than 700,000 ballots had no chain of custody we've got rules they didn't follow them they didn't follow them our our voter rolls are a mess we've got people who moved 10 years ago and the ballot is still going to that home under their name we've got problems in our election and the great people of this country the great people of this state of arizona just want to know that our elections are fair they want to know i'm not saying they want to I'm know pardon me pardon me i'm not done system. they want to know that our elections are honest they want to know that we get one legal vote per legal voter, and that vote is counted. And it's a mess right now. And when I'm governor, we're going to sort through, and everything we learned in the forensic audit, we're going to fix. That's all we want. Listen, you know I, I love President Trump. I thought he was one of the greatest presidents that we've ever known. I voted for him. I voted for him three times in the primary and in two general elections. I would never have wanted him to win the way Joe Biden allegedly won. I love this country do, do more than I love any politician or any candidate. All we want is for okay. an honest election. In terms of the race, your, your own personal race, mm -hmm. do you think you can win? 
I do believe I can win, and, I, and here's why. I think we are aware of how the cheating happens, so we're going to be much more aware of not allowing them to stop counting in the middle of the night, not allowing them to keep people out, poll watchers out. We are very in tune to some of the ways they cheated. And we're also so going to show, we're also gonna show up in droves, and we're going to vote. And we're going to vote America First candidates in that will vow to make sure that we have a clean election, not an election that goes on for 45 days. We're going to call it election day, not election month and a half. And we're going to make sure that ballots are not going out to every home where people okay. have moved or died. So we, even though you think the system at the moment stinks, it's corrupt, as you say, you're still willing to be part of it to try to be governor. It's so humorous. I've done so many interviews, and it's almost as if everybody in the corrupt media gets their questions from the same people. It's like you almost print out the same questions because I've been asked that question by numerous people. Well, so it's a big conspiracy. I mean, we're all operating for some reason, uh, what, under the guidance of one well, particular person well, in the universe. What, what I am counting on, Liam, is that our, our good men and women in our state legislature, where, by the way, they are the only ones, in, our legislators are the only ones who are able to make election law, our state legislators. And this last go-around, we had county recorders, we had people who weren't even elected changing our election rules, which is unconstitutional. So I believe that the good men and women in our state legislature will, in fact, make some changes to shore up our election laws so that we, the people of Arizona, can go to vote, go to the polling places, and feel more assured that it's going to be more fair. But we may have to win by a mile in order to eke out a small win. I mean, we're, we're going to work on it. When I'm governor, we're going to pull this back out into the sunlight and we're going to fix our elections. And it's, it's really kind of appalling, frankly, Liam, that, that you're sitting there in Australia trying to tell us what we should be doing here in America. You guys I'm don't not, even I'm, have freedom. I'm not, I'm, you don't even have freedom I'm not, down I'm there. Not, what do you mean freedom. we don't have freedoms? I'm not trying to tell you how to run your voting system. I'm just trying to get a handle on how you view it. I mean, obviously, it's, it, it's clear that what you're implying is that if you win, then it'll be fair. No, but if no, you no, lose, that's not what I'm implying. Be, that's not what I'm implying. I've just told if you, you. If you lose, if you lose, it'll be rigged. No, I just told you, Liam, that we have lawmakers currently at the moment, probably at this very moment, working hard to put forth legislation to try to make our elections more fair. What we're doing is not just about the 2020 election in 2022. We're trying to make our elections fair so that going forward, every voter in Arizona, whether they be Democrat, whether they be independent or Republican, can feel good that the election was honest. In 2016, we had Democrats saying that the election was stolen. 2020, the Republicans. We got to get our elections figured out so that every voter feels confident and has faith restored in the election. Gary, we saw pictures, speaking of being miles away, we saw lots and lots of, of very confronting pictures over many days uh, as they replayed various angles on it, on the January 6th uh, riots, insurrections, call it what you like. I mean, how did you see that? How do you view the events of the 6th of January at the Capitol? Well, that really doesn't have anything to do with being governor of Arizona. And I'll tell you what, we did see some pictures, you're right, a lot of the media pictures, but what we haven't seen are the 14,000 hours of crystal clear video footage that Nancy Pelosi has that we the people own. There were pictures and cameras all over. If you've ever been to Washington, D.C., you can't walk one foot without being on camera. 
We have 14,000 hours of crystal clear footage and surveillance camera footage that Nancy Pelosi should release immediately. We can figure out who's who, what happened, where the issues were. But she refuses to release that. Why do you suppose that is? Why would she refuse to release that? Well, why do you think? You tell me. I'm asking you. I, it, it, it certainly raises a lot of suspicion that why wouldn't she release that? It could solve all the problems. She's holding a commission right now. And if we just release that video and we sit and look through it, we can figure out what happened. But it's highly suspect that she won't release it. And it's not really hers. It's ours. We the people. We own that footage. And we want to know what happened. We want to get to the bottom of it. But it's so typical for the media to try to, whenever they sit down with a Republican, especially a Trump Republican, try to talk about January 6th. I wasn't there. I had nothing to do with that, sir. And well, it's, you're, you're, it's, always, it's always the conspiracy theorists in the media, which I'm... No, I'm counting well, that's you not as, true. Well, no, you, you well guys, that's not true at all. No, you've, that's ca- not you've, true ca- at all. No, you've called Curry, our, you've called Curry, our election. Let's be fair on this. Let's be fair on this. You've called your our election Donald. the big lie. You've called... Your man Donald brought it up. Your man Donald said... Why would you say that, only a few. Your man what Donald? Be, well, well, he is. I mean, he's endorsed you personally. Well, that's... He said, he said a few days ago that those people at the Capitol should be pardoned. They should all be pardoned. Do you think they should be pardoned? I'm still amazed that you say your man, Donald. That's just so disrespectful. Well, well, why, why would it be? He's endorsed you. He, you have his personal it's endorsement. Just, it's just the flippant attitude. It's obvious that you've come into this. It's obvious you've come into this interview and you don't like President Donald Trump. It's obvious. Curry, Curry, you have said that he should be on Mount Rushmore. You can't I think he's you know a what? personal endorsement than make him a monument. Yep, I think he's a great president. I think he's one of the best presidents we've ever had, and I think he will be back. I think he will win in 2024, and he will come back with a vengeance. And it's amazing that the world, in Australia, you're still fascinated with President Trump. He's a great president, and he's going to do great things. And the America all First... That violence, the, the America First... All that, all that violence. All that, violence All that violence on January the 6th, and you, you can't bring yourself to say that it was a bad thing. I'm not even, you're talking about January 6th. You know where the violence happened? On our streets in the so-called summer of love, when our federal buildings were being firebombed, when Antifa was running rampant, when people's businesses were being burnt down and torched, when churches were being torched, and the Democrats were calling it peaceful protesting. That was... So that makes it okay. That no, makes it nothing, okay, ma- nothing s- makes... Sir, let me ask you. 769 people have been charged with assault. 769 people. In my my view, nothing makes violence okay. I've never said it is okay. Two more minutes. Well, do you think they should be pardoned? Do you think they should be pardoned? I I have no say in that. I'm running for governor. This isn't something a governor does. You're trying to twist this interview and trying to make me look bad. You're a Republican. He's the Republican leader. What I don't like is that people are being held in prison without being charged. That's un-American. Maybe they get away with that stuff in Australia. Australia. Perhaps in Australia, because you've given your rights away, you melted down all of your guns, and you guys have no freedom, that you find that okay. But here in America, we do things differently. We have something called the U.S. Constitution, and we have rights. And we don't take kindly, that, that, that's, we that's, don't take that's, kindly that's, on Americans yeah. being locked up for months on end without being charged. So charge them. Or get off the pot. So we'd be better off having more guns here. I mean, what? You'd yeah, be you would. Off. You absolutely would, sir. You absolutely would. I feel so sorry 
for the people in Australia have no power. The only thing keeping us from being Australia right now or Canada is our Second Amendment. And we will never, ever let that go. Mark my words. What we saw happening in Australia, where you have internment camps and people are being forced, if they've encountered anybody with COVID, to be locked into a quarantine camp, is the most horrifying thing I think I've ever seen a government do. It's frightening. And if, you, if you can't see that, I feel sorry for you. All right. Huh? All right. This is, our last, been this is our last question, Liam. We have to run, but thank you for your time. Would it have been better on the 6th of January if the military had been involved? Why do you keep asking me about the 6th of January? I am... Do you because understand? Because it was a, it was a watershed moment, surely. It was a watershed moment for you. Don't you agree? For <laughs> people to storm your national building in that way, a thousand assaults, 769 people charged. What, Liam, you, you Liam, don't think that was a big Liam, event? You, Liam, you can keep asking the same questions, and I've already given you my answer. I do appreciate your time. I appreciate all the effort you went through to uh, do the interview, and I thank you so much for your time. You've asked the question three, three times, and I believe I've answered it. So thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Just answer me this one question. Thank one, you. one more question, Carrie. Uh, well, no, I've already told Carrie. you we're done. Thank we're, you so much. Well, just. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. So when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Uh, I, I gave you 15 minutes. We promised you 15 minutes, sir. Well, no, you promised us 30 minutes, actually, yesterday. Uh, well, I never promised 30 minutes. I told my staff 15. Really? I don't think that's true. You don't think that's true? When we came in, no, we said we have 15 true. minutes. I've got it on tape, sir. I don't think that's true. I have it on tape. Did we say that on tape? Yes, sir. Thank you. I'm sorry that you asked the same question three times and wasted your time well, with the I'm same sorry. question. I'm sorry you couldn't bring yourself to actually see the world in a different light. Well, are you a journalist or, or an unbiased journalist or not? Oh, why, where is it, why are you trying to tell me how I should see the world? You're a journalist. No, you don't get any, you don't get any questions to me. You've cut me off. You don't get any well, questions to me. Well, you're a journalist, sir. You should be unbiased. You shouldn't be telling me how to see the world. Oh, really? Why are you trying to tell me as a journalist how to see the world? I don't understand that. It's not a journalist's job to tell me how to see the world. It's a journalist's job to ask, to ask questions that are not biased. And I didn't get that from and you. Why, why aren't you open and accountable? To the I'm facts absolutely open and real, real evidence, rather than just pushing <laughs> oh, your own boy. barrow for your own purposes. Boy, you, uh, I, I will. I'm happy to send you some of the facts. I'll leave it with the crew here before we leave. This, this is this Thank is the way so Trump much. people. This is the way Trump people do it. Yeah, this is what happens. You have one narrative, and that's it. You can't no. think out of the box, sir. I believe you have that narrative. I believe you have that narrative. You're, you're unable to even see the evidence that we have in our forensic audit. I do, yes, yes. So unless you believe the big lie, unless you believe the big lie, you're shut out. The questions get cut off. That's it. Unless I you believe the election was I, stolen, I don't think I cut off, cut off from the I drip feed. I didn't cut off your questions, sir. I answered them all. I answered no, them all. They, they were biased. No, you have. You've, you're walking away, Kari. It's I'm the not same walk- old story. I'm not walking away. I promised you 15 minutes. I'm happy to sit here. No, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you, you, you're telling fibs again. You see, you won't, unless the narrative fits your description of the voter fraud and all that sort of thing, then you, you're offended. You somehow I'm, can't handle the truth. I'm not offended. I want the truth. You, you offend me not at all, sir. You offend me not. You can sit in Australia without your rights, but we have rights here, okay? 
Well, well you, you can make all the xenophobic comments you want. You, you can you can try and put the labels this, you're, on you're, us. This is actually hilarious. You cannot look at the truth. I mean, it's the same story for the... So all the courts are corrupt, the officials are corrupt, the institutions are corrupt, oh, but my you're Lord. okay. You're so, telling Liam, the truth. Liam, this is actually funny. This it's is comical. almost... This is almost satire, the way you're approaching this. And I hope the people of Australia are waking up to the media. This is a perfect example of the insanity of the media. You're, it's just crazy. You're calling it's people the media. names. It's the media. It's this sort of morphous mass that are somehow actually, comes up with this narrative. I, I, don't, I don't live in Australia. Are you actually a respectable journalist there, or are you kind of considered a joke? Seriously. Incredible. I hope this gets put, I hope this gets that's, put that's in the That's the Donald piece. Trump way, isn't it? It's fake news. All of a sudden, it's fake news. Uh, hey, if hey, you have a different Liam, narrative, it's fake Liam, news. Liam, sir, I've, I worked in the news for 30 years. I get how it works. It's, it's hit rock bottom, and it keeps going lower. I don't know if mm. you have viewers who still watch, but here in America, people are tuning out the corporate media. Really? Yeah, they yeah. are. They really are. Yeah. Sorry to tell and you that. Days are numbered, right, buddy. But, if you want to keep pushing propaganda, your days are numbered. And I, I We're don't pushing know. propaganda. Oh That's my rich. gosh! If you can't see it, if you can't see it, sir, uh, then then you're even more brainwashed than than you could imagine. And I, I feel for the people of Australia. They're being abused by their leaders. They have no rights, and their media is continuing to try to brainwash them. You were probably one of the guys pushing the fear, pushing the fear with COVID, so that people would stay in their homes and wouldn't go out, and that the children would be masked. You were probably one of the guys pushing that fear on your TV station. And I'll tell you what, the masking of children and the torture of the people, people are never going to forgive you for that, and they're never going to forget. So I I suppose you're the kind of guy that masks your children, right? Well, I I, I suppose you're the sort of woman who also believes the moon landing was a conspiracy. I mean, how many institutions do you want to tear down in this? Oh, my goodness. So are you masking your children? Is that your way of not answering? Are you masking your children, your beautiful children's faces? See, this yes. is what Donald Trump does, doesn't he? This is what Donald Trump does, straight out of his playbook. Liam, he attacks Liam, the personal. Liam, you attack a, the personal Liam, if you don't like the real truth. Liam, it was a pleasure meeting you. This has just become comical. I'm leaving. Actually, thank you for giving me a good laugh because you actually make some of the crazy reporters and people at CNN look, um, look, look almost respectable. So thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Carrie. It's been a pleasure. That guy's a complete nut. Seriously, a complete insane person. Do, do people in Australia listen to him? That's, a, that's the craziest thing I've ever experienced. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your time, guys. Holy crow! <laughs> was that not great? That was great, guys. That was amazeballs, to say it another way, guys. Um, Carrie Lake, you gotta hand it to that firecracker, ladies and gentlemen. Gotta love Carrie Lake. I'm glad I endorsed her on day one of her campaign back in, like, May. (laughs) That was amazing. Makes me feel so good. Isn't it weird how all of these, like, all these interviews are performed in, like, hotel rooms? Isn't that weird? Like... They don't just make movies in hotel rooms. Why am I even talking about that? Anyways, okay. So, yeah, this dude was a major jerk. 
He was a major sleazeball. I mean, can you talk about trying to provoke being predator? He was clearly sociopathic, psychopathic. Uh, I mean, predator asshole. Like, just attack, attack, attack. Uh, he, you know, here he had an audience, and and uh, who is it? Someone said in the said in the chat room, he's probably live. <laughs> <laughs> That's the I hope he was live. I hope he was live because I mean and then he you you can tell that this guy was beyond anything, ladies and gentlemen. He was beyond anything when she was like, "Do you mask your children?" and he's all and I suppose you're probably the kind of lady. And you could he paused because you could tell he was stepping out of bounds. You could tell he was just tit for tat, just trying to one up, just trying to be the the predominant dominant whatever bulldog, whatever he wanted to be, minnow, whatever the hell he was or is. And he's just, he he paused. He was like, and I guess you're just the kind of lady who paused. There was like that brief moral like ping. And I was like, I'm going to keep going. Who believes as a conservative that the moon landing was, was fake. I mean, talk about making it so easy to walk away at that point. It was just ridiculous. Like, the thing, the, the the methods that they employ of trying to um, pigeonhole us or to attack us or to, to put us in some kind of view or perspective is so obvious, redundant. It is set, it is almost satirical at this point. It is almost parody. It's laughable. So that was great, guys. And I think that that is a great way. To end tonight's show, y'all. Jackie Blue, you're absolutely welcome. I hope you guys had gotten to... I guess... I hope y'all had... I know you guys had probably seen at least the last five minutes of this interview, but I wanted to show you guys the entire interview because I just love the way people like Carrie Lake handle the media. Granted, she's got a lot of experience, so that's probably where she gets some of that back. But man, it's just... it's, it's, It's a good teaching tool. For the rest of us and the rest of the people who are in her position running for office, I have to deal with those aren't just snakes. Those are like vipers. Those are like pythons. Those are like anacondas. I don't know what you want to call them, but uh, that's a great, great teaching tool for the inexperienced, um, you know, people out there who are running for office. I have to deal with when they're that when they're as bad as that guy. When they're as bad and as like he's abrasive, he was disrespectful, he was rude, he was inconsiderate. You know, I, those are all the things that you do not want to deal with in a, in an interview. And I think Carrie Lake handled it with flying colors, ladies and gentlemen. Flying colors. Uh, so that is where we're going to end tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you so much, WC Cranop, for the 1776 gold pill donation. Boom! Schooled his ass. She took him to class and she left him there. Uh, he's, he's, he's in, det- he's, he's in uh, detention now. Jackie Blue, Sean Joe, Relanon, thank you for the cookie so much. And uh, you're most welcome, WC Cranop. That was a water moccasin, right, Jackie Blue? That was most definitely uh, definitely a great way to end the night. All right, guys, we're wrapping up for now. We'll be back in about an hour and a half for our next installment of Mr. C in the Dark. We'll probably run it about midnight central time, guys. 10 o'clock if you're on the West Coast. Uh, 1 o'clock if you are on the East Coast. We'll be talking about Les Wexner, the mom 
mob, human trafficking, and yeah, well, these are the topics that we get to in the dark, ladies and gentlemen, so I hope that you will be back to join us on that adventure tonight as we dig a little bit deeper and we bring the dark to light, or shall I say, we bring the light to the dark. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, we will catch you next week for brand new editions of The Sea Report. Check us out on our weekend shows. We'll be live. We'll be live. We will be live. Have a great night, y'all.